I'm Jeff Francis. And I'm Michael Byrne. This, this is, is the Francis, Francis Report. Report. This is the Francis Report with your hosts, Jeff Francis and Michael Byrne. Hey, Mike. Yeah, Jeff? How many Vancouver Canucks does it take to win a Stanley Cup? How many, Jeff? Nobody knows, and we may never find out. <laughs> Welcome to episode 15. Wow, 15. I don't know if this one will be as good as last one when we had reporter Chris on, but it yeah, be all right. Hopefully the fans aren't too let down that it's just you and I talking yeah. again. It was a very fun interview with uh, Chris. He's a pretty down-to-earth guy. Yeah. Uh, he's he's just a fantastic, fun guy to be around. Really great storyteller. Yeah. I think. He's, he's a really good storyteller. Yeah. And he, he just, obviously, as a guy who's around the players and around the teams all the time, he just has so much insight and knows so many little stories that we never hear about. And even even when we weren't recording, just to sit and talk to him, pick his brain about where the Leafs are and, yeah. and that sort of thing, that was cool. Uh, our efforts to sign him to a two-year contract to join the Francis Report were uh, not good enough. Our no. Subway coupons and Extreme Pita coupons could not sway his decision to leave Sportsnet, so that was unfortunate. Yeah. Oh, well, who knows what the future will hold for us, though. Exactly. Hopefully we can get someone from TSN after we took our uh, shot at them last time when yeah. Chris was here. Yeah, we'll see what happens. So, two big trades this week in the NHL. Yeah. One was a super blockbuster, and the other one was just... You know, it was a decent trade. Sign of sign of things yeah. to come, maybe. Um, so we had the uh, Buffalo. They traded, uh, they traded, Drew Stafford and Tyler Myers. Yep, yeah, along with uh, a first round pick for this year. Yeah. Probably not their Connor McDavid pick. No, I would hope not. Yeah, that would be silly. But Buffalo gets to pick which one it is. Yeah, that's definitely something that Edmonton would do, not Buffalo. Oh, we accidentally traded our first round pick this year. Um, they also traded um, Brendan Lemieux. Is that his name? I believe so. And uh, Joel Amari. Um, Lem- Armia. Uh, Armia. Couple prospects. Um, couple prospects. Listening yeah. to the, listening to the radio a couple weeks after, apparently Winnipeg was like super high on Lemieux uh, in the draft, and they kept trying to trade up to get him. And I think he was drafted two years ago, uh, early in the second round, and Winnipeg was a few picks away, and they were feverishly trying to trade up to get him. And so I guess now they got their man in him. So. Um, and then Winnipeg sent back uh, Evander Kane and... Zach Bogosian. Yep. And then an unsigned goaltending prospect. Who do you think won the trade? In all honesty, people are probably going to say... I think people, the general consensus is that Buffalo won the trade. And in a sense, I think I agree because I don't actually think uh, Evander Kane ever plays for Buffalo. I think Buffalo's going to f- flip him for something else. So okay. I don't think I don't think the trade's fully complete yet. Um, when you're looking at it on a on a bigger spectrum, um, I don't know. Buffalo's still uh, ways away, and I don't know is Patrick or is Evander Kane a guy that you can fix? Like, is he going to change? Maybe uh, he went from Winnipeg, which, from everything we hear on Twitter, is a place that players don't like to sign as free agents or whatever because I guess there's not much to do and it's super cold there. Yeah. Going to the bustling metropolis of Buffalo, New York, I don't think is a big uh, change for Kane. And I just feel like there's always, I was listening to the radio and there was a really good point made that some team will always, in whatever league for whatever the player's issues are, one team or one general manager, if the player has shown skill, will say, I know how to fix that guy. If you just get him on the team, I can fix him. And I think um, 
maybe he does stay on Buffalo, but I just feel like he's going to get flipped for something else. There were so many other teams inter- interested, and Buffalo's big on trading for picks right now, and um, Douglas Murray's been great at that, so I think he's just going to get flipped. And-, and and on that note, Buffalo doesn't have to trade him, as where Winnipeg was in a position where they did have to trade exactly. him. So Buffalo could be patient, and you know maybe maybe Vander Kane doesn't doesn't play another game or doesn't play a game for Buffalo. And or maybe he plays a few months and he's traded at next year's deadline. There's definitely a different uh, side to look at it. I think we'll find out later whether Tyler Myers was was basically the result of a crappy Buffalo team or if he has actually just fall, like fallen from the clouds. Cause... I remember I remember a couple of years ago when he first started playing for Buffalo and that was back when the Leafs had that like awful streak where they would just go into Buffalo and every night you knew they were going to lose every time they went to Buffalo. Yeah. And when he was a rookie, I mean, he would just dominate the Leafs. Just, and I remember watching him and saying, oh my God, we're going to have to deal with this guy for so long. And then all of a sudden he just sort of, I think he had an injury a couple of years ago and then came back and he's just kind of been a run-of-the-mill defenseman since then. Um, so... Usually big trades, obviously in the salary cap world, don't happen. Um, I feel like the last big, the last big trade of this magnitude was when Brian Burke came to Toronto and did the Fanuf and the Giguere and the Blake and all that sort of stuff. Um, does this make you feel more optimistic that maybe this year or maybe we could start seeing more big deals like this, or do you think this was a unique case where they needed to move him and there was just a lot of other moving parts involved in the deal? Yeah, I think. I mean, it does show a little bit of promise. I think Winnipeg was in a different situation because they had to move the uh, Vander Kane. But it just shows that big moves can be done, and they can be done quick. So uh, I'm hoping that the Leafs can make a couple big deals. You know, I'm I'm definitely on the side of trading Dion Phaneuf, not because Dion Phaneuf is a crappy player, but because I think the Leafs misuse him to the point where, you know, the longer they hold on to him, the the more in the toilet his trade value is going to be, so they might as well trade him while they can, put him on a team that is halfway decent, that can use him for the second-pairing guy that he is, and or put him with a guy like a Drew Doughty, where you know Drew Doughty yeah, can, wow. can play the defense. And or, um, you know, Imagine Dion Phaneuf and Drew Doughty on the same line. You've oh. mentioned it before, and, and I think you're totally right when you say that um, throw Dion Phaneuf on another team and he's just going to become a dominant, just a force, just yeah. a dominating guy. Yeah. Like, misused in Toronto as, as has been the case for many of their players over the last six or seven years. They bring guys in and they're just miscast and misused. Jonas like, Hoagland. Jonas Hoagland. Even Gary Roberts. Gary Roberts spent a lot of time on the top line in Toronto and he was never a top line player. Uh, same with uh, Darcy Tucker. Spent a lot of time on the power play with, with Roberts and Sundin. And when McGillney was there, like, McGillney was a legitimate top liner. He played with Sundin a lot. But, they, I mean, Toronto has a history of they get one or two really good players, great players, and then just they fill it with, like, fill it with, like, basically toilet sludge around them. They haven't, they haven't built a team in a very long time. Yeah. They've brought, they've brought in, as you said, the pieces. But you can't bring in the pieces if you don't have a team to complement the pieces or the pieces to yeah. complement the team. you got to have both. At the same time, and the Leafs always miss the mark yeah. on doing that. Friend of the show, uh, Quinn, he, his big fear is that the Leafs trade Kessel for a legitimate number one center, and then they're back to where they started with, where they have Matt Sundin-type guy that there's no one around him to play with, or they have a Phil Kessel-type guy, and there's no one around him to play with. 
And you know what? It's it's a legitimate fear because historically that's what they do. Yeah. Like they don't they don't do it a different way. That's yeah. how they go to build their teams. I think if you're gonna trade Phil Kessel, you as you've alluded to before, you need a couple of first round picks and a prospect because if you're gonna trade a piece like that, you need to be thinking rebuild, I think. And it's the same with trading Dion Phaneuf. Maybe you wouldn't get as high a return for Dion Phaneuf, but you could still, I think, squeak out a second round pick and maybe a couple of promising prospects. Um so with that being said, there was a trade yesterday the Leafs made uh, with the Nashville Predators. Sort of, I guess, a lot of people are looking at this as the start of the rebuild, if you will. Um, historically, obviously, the Leafs have uh, RFAs, and they let them walk for nothing. Uh, Mikhail Grabowski, who they, they bought actually out. bought yeah. out. Um, Clark yeah. MacArthur. Grabowski didn't walk away for nothing. The Leafs pushed him out the door for with a big foot and said, get the F out of here. We don't want you around anymore. Yeah. And, yeah, like he, they got nothing for him. MacArthur, uh, Mason Raymond, uh, Nikolai Kuhleman, yeah. like these good players that could help the team out now. Especially around deadline deadline time, those are guys that other teams that are going to the playoffs are looking for, and the Leafs end up getting nothing for them. So yesterday was refreshing in the fact that they were able to get something back for two guys that – they probably weren't going to re-sign um, Cody Franzen, I guess, is still to be determined, especially after his comments yesterday. Um, I noticed a lot of people on Twitter talking about how Ole Okunen was, like, the basis of this trade to be made. Like, they made they brought him in as, like, a, a piece, like, a veteran piece to help the young guys, you know, or it was, like, a salary dump. Well, we can look at that as, like, it was with the Joffrey Lupul when they sent... Um, what was it Jaguar to? No, not Jaguar. It was uh, Toscala, I think. Toscala and Boschman. Yeah, Toscala and Boschman for Lupul and uh, Gardner. Jake Gardner. Fantastic trade. You know, and I, I, I don't see Ole Okunen playing very many games in Toronto. I see him as getting they get rid of him real quick. Yeah. But that being said, if he does play five or six games in the Leaf uniform, because I think there's only five games, six games before the trade deadline, then. You know, maybe you'll look at him for coming out and playing a little bit harder so he can work himself off this team. You know, impress other teams. Yeah, to, that'd be all right. Score a couple goals, get a couple assists. So just we'll just outline the basis of the trade. Everybody's probably heard about it by now, but the Leafs sent um, Mike Sanarelli and Cody Franzen to Nashville for, obviously, Ole Jokinen. Uh Nashville's 2015 first-round pick and prospect Brandon Leipzig. Yeah, who, uh, it's been compared to on Twitter since the trade to a guy like Brandon Gallagher or Ty, Tyler Johnson in yeah. Tampa or Brad Marchand. Brad, yeah. Um, now the, the first round pick for Nashville, I think the lowest it can go based on the current standings is about the twenty second pick, but it's pretty deep draft this year. And I was talking to Quinn, friend of the show, about the Leafs possibly trading um, Tyler Bozak, oh. uh, Dion Phaneuf. Um, Joffrey Lupul, uh, there was four or five players that I listed off uh, in that tweet to him. If they can trade those guys and get a couple more first round picks, the Leafs could easily have four first round picks in this year's draft. And you know that's a pretty deep draft. They could walk away with some pretty good players. And if they're thinking, if they're thinking rebuild, which it seems to be, that's what they're thinking. That could, I don't know, in a draft like this, if they're as good as everybody's predicting, that could shave a year off of a rebuild, having yeah. those that quality of player. Yeah. And um, for the people that are complaining about the trade, like I just, it doesn't make sense to me because you you didn't have a second round pick this year, so now you have two firsts. Yeah. 
Mike Santarelli was not coming back. No, at he all. wasn't coming back at all. It, yeah, and I mean, if they wanted to keep Cody Frames, then they would have had to have traded. Right, uh, they would have had to have traded or let uh, go Bernier or Cadre, one yeah. of the two, because they wouldn't have been able to keep all three. Yeah, and I mean, maybe in a perfect world, the Leafs move Dion Phaneuf this year, and they have extra money to maybe throw an offer at Cody Franson. But at the same time, this team is going to look very different post March second, and. Like it or not, I think we've heard the song and dance before, but I feel like this time could be different because Shanahan has made so many changes that maybe the Leafs are finally ready for a full-out rebuild. Well, if you look at everything from the point that Kyle Dubas was hired as the assistant general manager of this team, there hasn't really been any big mistake since that day. The only thing that you could, you, the only thing that you could count as that is keeping Randy Carlisle as long as they did. Yeah, you know they had re- they had uh, re-signed him. You know, extended his contract at the beginning of the summer last year before Kyle Dubas was hired, and you know they can't just extend you one week and then fire you the next week. That wouldn't be great. No. So, so yeah, they, I don't know. They haven't really made any big mistakes. They've made a couple trades. Uh, they signed a couple free agents. They cut. Ca- they signed their young guy, Gar- Gardner, and Gardner's looked great under Horacek. Yeah, like he's great. been a totally different player. Yeah, completely different player. Not as many defensive gaps or gasps or or mistakes in the defensive zone, and he's looked pretty good when he's got the puck. Yeah. Not as good as Morgan Riley. Holy oh throw. my god! Like if, there, if there's there. one quote unquote untouchable or one guy I just don't want to see leave the team, it's Morgan Riley. Yeah, he's uh, I, I I don't know if I was if I was Nonus or Shannon or whoever's making the decisions up there right now. I would I would keep both those guys Gardner and Riley. Yeah, that's a that's a solid two guys to build your defense around. Yeah, you bring in one more more stud defenseman and yeah. you're looking pretty good back there. Um, so talking of all the trade talk and and the idea of a rebuild, a lot's being made of whether Toronto fans would be able to handle a rebuild. Now I don't know where I, to- I fully sit on this because as a fan, I wish they would have just started this rebuild like five or six years ago, especially when Burke came in. Yeah. Because I think he had, like, the gusto to just tell everybody, hey, we're doing a rebuild. Get ready, sit here for five years and watch some junk hockey, and we'll be good and ready to compete in a few years. Um, for me, the most frustrating thing, like, I'm totally cool with a rebuild because maybe it'll actually be time to finally change the whole franchise around. Um, but it's just frustrating that we've been sitting here watching mediocre hockey for the last five or six years when we could have been sitting in a reef build and could have been good now. Um, it sucks that we have to wait, but I don't know. I'm all for it. You never know what the dom- the domino effect could bring. You know, the Leafs, start, the Leafs are terrible this year, and they could be terrible again next year, depending on how, how this rebuild goes. Well, at the end of next year, they may stop selling games out. Yeah. Games might not be sold out. And in turn, people stop coming. Ticket prices will lower. They will lower. Yeah, They're the Toronto Maple Leafs. Yeah, they charge an outrageous price for tickets. But the only reason they do that is because the arena gets sold out every night. They they sell it at that price because they can sell it at that price. If if they only if they end up only having like 15,000 fans come out to each of the games, they're going to lower ticket prices. Yeah. Because start they want to fill it. the arena. Yeah. And so... I. Could this be the time that fans stop showing up if they start a rebuild now and start going through that? You know, I one of the big problems with this whole thing is that it's not a single owner. It's a corporation, two corporations. Yeah. And, you know, it, it's exactly 
That's exactly what it is. And the annoying part is, is in the newspaper and in media, negativity drives, it drives Drives, traffic and revenue. You know, when, when was the last time that you turned on the news or on the front page of the Star or Sun or Globe and it was um, homeless man raises $10 million to help out the homeless shelter that's been helping him out for the last two decades? Yeah. You never hear that. No. It's a picture of a dead body laying on the street that got shot or someone got hit by a car or someone's house burnt down. You know, never is it ever anything good that is the main page of the paper so for me where i'm going with this is i don't for the life of me understand why bell and rogers they have this mint the maple leafs and the air Canada center is a mint they can print off as much money as they want there why are they letting the media the other things that they own destroy the image of this team yeah there's no image for the team as it is but they make it worse than it is like, you see a guy like Kessel who goes down to Columbus at the All-Star Game. He's out there with the media for oh, an hour or two, and he looks like he's having fun. He's having a great time. You know, and that's because the media down there isn't be like, so, Phil, how many cheeseburgers you have this week? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. You know, they're not saying, hey, do you think it's your fault that the uh, coach got fired? you a coach killer? You know, they're not saying things like that. But you got Rogers and Bell. They need to put their foot down. They need to concentrate on the Leafs. You know, if you don't want to do that, then sell the team. Get out of the sports industry because, you know, you're you're basically just, you're vandalizing your mint. You're, you know, you got to take care of that. If you want that thing to make money, you got to take care of it. Yeah. Before MLSE was sold um, by Bell, Bell did a great job of of making money. Yeah. You know, and, and, and unfortunately that's part of the problem is that they see it as just this mint to make money and they got to take care of it though. Yeah. They got to take care of it. At the end of the day, it sucks, and it's just the way of the world that it all comes yeah. down to money. And a lot's been made in the, in the past couple of weeks about how Rogers and Bell might be having a bit of buyer's remorse for buying all of the basically buying hockey in Canada, and it's not going as well as they thought. And I don't know. I yeah, guess we'll see. Great. It's the first. It's Looks the good first, on them. Yeah, it's the they first keep year employing, of uh, they keep employing guys like Craig Simpson and and Jim Houston and. And Glenn Healy and Ugh. Damian Cox, are you kidding me? Like, wake up! Yeah, you know you got different avenues to be able to see that the fans don't like these guys. You know they go from they go from having a guy like Joe Bowen, who is a, in my opinion, he's a great hockey announcer. Yeah, you know he's a homer. Yeah, but please give me one team in the NHL on their home broadcast that isn't a homer. It's impossible. You ever hear Mike Lang? You know oh, the other team God. scores. He's just like, oh, you know. Kessel scores, uh, you know, giveaway by Chris Letang in the neutral zone, and Kessel on a breakaway and scores. But do you hear him when Crosby Holy scores God. or Malkin scores? Get that dog off my lawnmower! Malkin with his third goal of the game. He just goes nuts. He just you know, he, like, he just loses his mind and says the first random crap that comes yeah. to his mind and. Yeah. Get in the fast lane, Grandma. The bingo game's ready to go. Scratch like, my back with a hacksaw. Yeah, 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 like, what the hell? Yeah. Um, yeah, and I mean, like, you look... I mean, it should be easy enough for Rodgers and Bell to figure out who the fans like. Go yeah. on Twitter for five minutes, type in yeah. the word hockey, and you'll see who everybody likes. Like, oh, yeah. I would love to sit... I would watch an hour-long pregame show if Chris Johnson was on TV. Yeah, Not just because too. he's a friend of the show, but to put James Myrtle on there, I'd probably watch him a bit, too. Yeah, James Myrtle. Those guys St- you know what? Even Steve Dangle. If you want to connect with the young the young audience, uh, people would start watching Rogers if he's on the TV. There's only one thing I like about about Rogers, and that 
I mean, if you take away like the behind the scenes, like for the Hockey Night in Canada broadcast, there's one thing I like. Well, two things, I guess, but the one thing you can't even count. Elliot Friedman is pretty much the only thing I like from that. Yeah, broadcast. Elliot Friedman's great. The other thing I like is Ron McLean with Coach's Corner, but it's a complete like it's completely disappointing that that's all that he does is hockey night or the uh, coach's corner on Saturday night. Yeah. And then he gets shoved out into some city for the hometown hockey and is the host there. And you know, that's bearable to watch. Hockey night in Canada broadcast. No, thanks. No, it's in fact, right from right now, I am boycotting any sports net broadcast for hockey, for the Leafs, any of them don't care at all. You know, TSN it's, it's been great. They had Chris Cuthbert on lately. Which is awesome. Yeah, it's you know it's nice to have a fresh voice. He does a lot of the World Juniors. Uh, he did the Olympics back in uh, when it was in Vancouver. You know he does a lot of the CFL. Like he's I really he's a miss fresh voice. I really miss hockey on TSN. Yeah, it, and, it, and CBC to be honest with you. Yeah, I think the I think no offense to him professionally, but I think the first big mistake that they made was hiring George Strombolopoulos as the host. You know, nothing against George. Yeah. Great guy. You know, fantastic I've been, host. Been fantastic to a taping. Host. Been been to a taping of the show, The Hour, when it was on, and you know, he's a great host, great guy with the, with the crowd. You know, he's great with his guests. He's a great interviewer, but he's not a hockey he's guy. Not a sports guy. Yeah, he's not like he may be into hockey and he may know hockey, but he's just not a hockey guy. He's a pop. He's a pop culture TV host. Yeah, that's what he is. It's what he did at much. It's what he did on CBC, pretty much, and. I'm sure he'd be great hosting ET Canada. Oh yeah, yeah, you Fantastic. know, I'm sure he'd be great doing that kind of stuff. I think he'd be even be fine on CTV or some of the news stations doing doing their interviews that they do with like celebrities. You know, I think he'd be great at that. But hockey, I, I don't know. He just he doesn't seem to fit. You got a bunch of old guys, Nick Kiprios, uh, Doug McLean, uh, Damian Cox. You got all these old guys, these old fogies that. I mean, okay, Nick Kiprios is tolerable, I guess. Uh, he's not He's not the worst of the bunch. When he stands up with a hockey stick in the middle of the but studio, that I immediately That is annoying. Nobody wants to see TV. that. Every Saturday night, you used to turn it on at 6.30. You watch the kids come out. They introduce the teams that are playing. They introduce Ron McLean. You know, it's some some little kid team from who the hell knows where. Yeah. And, you know, it's fun. And then, you know, they do the little pregame. Ron McLean's up there talking away about different things. You know, Ron McLean knows everything about everything. Yeah. Ron McLean is great. And, yeah, like, you know, fantastic. most useless random fat guy in the world, like, when it comes to hockey. Yeah. He just knows everything about everything. Like, he knows where every player's from. I get, you know what? I bet you Ron McLean would uh, give uh, Pierre Maguire a run for his money in a trivia game. Oh, yeah? Of, you know, where players are drafted or where they're from or what's going on in their home cities, you know, on holidays and stuff. Yeah. I, I don't know. Every time you watch Pierre Maguire, some kid touches the puck and he's like, oh, yeah, I knew his uncle's cousin's dad. We grew yeah. up down in Regina. Drafted in the third round yeah. in the OHL. And, uh, and then, you know, drafted in the second round, played for this in the NHL, and, you know, blah, 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 blah. Show the friggin' guy selling popcorn. Oh, yeah, Jimmy Hayes fucking grew up uh, grew up in Manitoba, drafted in the third round in the snack vendor draft. Yeah. Just knows everything random yeah. junk. Yeah. Anyways, uh, wanted to get your thought on one more, I guess, Leaf-related uh, thing, just that I've been, I've been thinking about and pondering over the past couple days. If, so now that they are in a rebuild, if they are having a fire sale that they're about to. I think trading Tyler Bozak is number one right now on the list to get rid of him and move that contract and everything. Uh, Bernier's up at the end of the year. 
if they're going into a rebuild and for some reason maybe I don't know they move Bernier or I well I hope they don't move him for move him or let him walk for nothing. Um, how big of a failure would that be if Jonathan Bernier is just gone now, not on the team anymore? They trade him maybe for a pick to another team or something like that. Um, or do you think he's going to be sticking around for the rebuild? Stuff to say. I read a couple articles that um, talked about Bernier and that he's been this failed experiment for the Leafs and that MLSE is potentially, like the Leafs are trying to potentially uh, trade him. I think get rid of him. you could get huge return for him, I think. I think right now, yeah. I mean, I don't know. Do you, you don't want him playing in a rebuild because his value is going to go down. No. Unless he can play lights out for a year. But I, I don't know. I haven't seen that from Bernier yet. If like if they do if they go into a rebuild wouldn't it wouldn't it be the irony if they move Bernier at this trade deadline and just keep James Reimer? See, I think that by moving Santorelli and friends, I don't necessarily think that points to it actually being a rebuild. I think if they move Phil Kessel or they move Dion Phaneuf or they move Jonathan Bernier, I think that signifies that it's the start of a rebuild. And the reason I say that is. They weren't rebuilding last year. They weren't rebuilding the year before, but they let some of their free agents walk for nothing. So the free agents this year, they're not letting walk for nothing. They know that they're in a spot where they can't make the playoffs. Are they good enough to make the playoffs? They're probably good enough to make the playoffs. I think their their streak of four wins in 26 games, I well, I can't say it's an anomaly because they did this friggin' last year. Yeah. You know, it was five wins in... In 35 games yeah. last year, well, five well, when, we, when we weren't recording with Chris last time, he even brought up the point. He's like, the Leafs aren't this bad. He's like, no. I watch Edmonton or Buffalo. They're bad. He's yeah. like, the Leafs aren't that bad. It's just something Things about the team. Things are not going their way yeah. right now. And, you know, this team, you know, in if this exact team played 10 seasons, they'd probably make the playoffs between five and six of those 10 times. Yeah. You know, but... I, I think it I think it comes down to, you know, you look at Bernier and Kessel and and Fanuff, and if they trade either one of those guys, that signifies the rebuild. Yeah. Like that is what signifies the rebuild because they've labeled basically Kessel as their franchise player, Dion Fanuff is their top defenseman, and Bernier is their goalie that they brought in when they had a number one goalie. They brought this guy in to groom him to be their number one goalie. Yeah. So you know, letting those other guys walk the last few years, you know, the MacArthur's, the Kuhlman's, the Mayrays, you know, those guys, yeah. that, like, by being able to trade Santorelli and friends and that doesn't necessarily point to a rebuild for me. Are they going to rebuild? Yeah, they probably will. Yeah. Because, you know... Yeah, they, I think you have to. Yeah, you have to, but I think once they trade one of those three guys, that's that signifies the start of the rebuild. Yeah. So, uh, just last last thing I just came to my mind while you were talking. Um, with all the trades that are happening right now, obviously Dave Nonis is still technically the GM. Who do you think's pulling the strings on this, this trade deadline? This trade deadline day, do you think Shanahan's got his hands on it more than we're going to be led to believe? Or do you think he's still letting... Because Chris said Nonis is still being able to do his job in the front office with the Leafs, but... I don't know. It makes me kind of uncomfortable to think that we're going to be heading into a big rebuild, and there's just no way Nonis is back as the GM next year. Yeah, uh, yeah. I don't think he's back as a GM next year. I, I, I don't think that for one bit. And when I look at this, I, I don't know. What I think is, 
Dave Nonis is the guy, and maybe even Kyle Dubas to a, a certain extent. He's the guy that's working the phones. He's the guy that's going to make the trades. But he probably has to have final approval from yeah. Brandon Shanahan. Yeah. And Brandon Shanahan is probably not going to um, allow Dave Nonis to make a trade that screws up this team. Yeah. And what people need to understand is a lot of people were saying that the Leafs got hosed in this trade. And Which is just ludicrous. It's ludicrous. Sorry, they for two guys that were not coming back next year, they got a first-round draft pick. They got a nice young prospect yeah. that will be an NHL player. Uh, and an Ole Okunin, who they could flip for another late Fifth pick. or sixth or seventh-round pick, yeah. yeah. I, how is it a loss when you could get nothing and you got... Two, like even if they got a third round pick, it's more than nothing. Like what? yeah, like what? Like I would love to have had gotten something for Kuhlman, MacArthur, not bought out Grabowski. You know, Mason Raymond. Those are just the four guys on the top of my head. Think how much farther ahead the team would be right now if they got yeah, something. Sometimes even guys. second and third round picks. Yeah, but something. no, they let these guys walk for nothing, and we finally get something, and people are still finding reason to complain. Yeah. The hardest part, I think, of this rebuild as a fan is going to be the other fans. I think the worst part of the Toronto Maple Leafs is social media. Yeah. Because before, you sit at home, you watch the game, you may text a friend or two, or you may watch it with a friend or two, and that's that. But with Twitter and Facebook, you know, you got guys on Twitter that are pretty much calling out every single play on Twitter. Yeah. That they're, they're basically the broadcaster. But on Twitter, yeah, and they and you it's funny. Go on to Twitter on a Sunday night at like seven o'clock. Last night, all these people that do the same thing for the Leafs, they tweet out all the plays that's going on. They they tweeted out pretty much everything that went on with Saturday Night Live last night. Yeah, Saturday just... Night Live last night was I guess their fortieth anniversary, so they did it on a Sunday. Yeah, I don't know what that's all about, but anyways, but it's the same thing. I have. I've gotten the gist of what happened on Saturday Night Live last night just by watching Twitter. The gist of what happened in the season finale or the series finale of um, what's that drug show that was great? Um, Breaking uh, Bad. Breaking Bad. The gist of pretty much the entire season of um, Game of Thrones last year. Yeah. And Sharknado 1 and 2. Oh, God. Just from watching the hockey people on Twitter. Yeah. Like, watching people like, uh, I can't even think of their names right now because it's just lost my mind, but watching those people, they just, they give you a broadcast perspective of what's going on in the and, game. And everybody, and so, so most of the stuff, slashing, you know? most of the things, like, I made the mistake, I guess I felt it would be a good addition considering that you and I started a podcast and we were writing articles and covering the team, I thought it would maybe be a good idea to follow some other Leaf fan sites just to get other people's opinions and sort of feed off the beast that is They're Twitter. the worst. Huge mistake. Yeah. The, the Maple Leafs Twitter account will tweet something about the game and all these people do is quote their tweet and retweet it from their account. Yeah. What is the point of that? Yeah. There's some of them that they, I don't know, there's this one person that posts everything through Pinterest. Hopefully they're not a listener of the show because I'm going to offend them right now. <laughs> what they do is anytime any of the Leafs players, their, their personality, like Joe Bowen or uh, James Myrtle or anybody, the Leafs Twitter account, the Raptors, maybe not the Raptors, but anyways, any of these guys, and this guy will go onto Pinterest and repost that picture onto, print, onto Pinterest as his own picture. Oh, boy. Yeah, so it could be something as James Reimer just sitting in the dressing room talking to a little kid. And it could could be James Myrtle that posts that picture or Chris Johnson that posts that picture. And what this guy does is he saves the picture, goes over, posts it on Pinterest, and pretends like it's his own picture. Ugh. 
Like that's what the that's what these people. Why can't you just retweet the photo that they tweeted? They tweeted it out. Yeah. You know, like it's funny that we're sitting here talking about a rebuild of the Leafs and and like I'm I'm fine with it. I don't like obviously it's gonna suck to watch four or five years of just. Are we gonna like hockey. it? No, but that's what you gotta take. You gotta take your hits sometimes so that they can be good in a few years from now. Yeah, I just I just want to see the Leafs be perennial playoff team again before I die. Which is sad to say. Will they make the playoffs again before we die in a full-length season? It's only been like nine seasons now. I don't know. I'm starting to lose my mind. I don't know. We'll see. I don't know. All I can say, especially to the people that that have have been just rebuild, rebuild, start a rebuild, do a rebuild, and now the Leafs make a trade like yesterday and you're complaining that they're trading everybody, shut the fuck up. Yeah. I'm sorry. Like, you guys, we've been, as a fan base, we've been asking for this for so long. And it's going to happen now, and it's going to suck, and it's going to be hard to watch. You know what? It's not going to be hard to watch crappy hockey, because we're used to watching crappy hockey. Yeah. So suck it up. At least for the last decade. Yeah. Well, like, I, it just blows my mind. The thing that blows my mind is, I know that the way they're playing right now, and this might be what the average fan thinks, and maybe not, I don't know, but the way they're playing right now is they're playing all right defensive hockey. Yeah. Better than defend, better defensively than they were under Randy Carlin. Yeah. I think... And I don't want, I hate to say this because I don't want to sound like I'm sticking up for Randy Carlisle, but maybe Randy Carlisle had the right idea with this team in the fact that, well, I can't teach you fuckers how to play defense, so you might as well just try and score as many goals as you can. Yeah. Because we're not going to win the other way. And I know that the Leafs are playing better hockey right now and their chances are just not going in. You know, their shooting percentage is down, their PDO is down, you know, everything's down. I miss that team where they outscore the opposition. They win the game 6-4 yeah. or 5-3. You know, it's just like I that was fun because there was goals being scored. I mean, okay, the last couple of games have been better because they've been scoring a lot, but their goaltending hasn't been there. No. And it's for, just weird that since, Jonathan Bernier hasn't since, won a game since... Since Horacek started, the Leafs goaltending has just been abysmal. Like, Reimers, I think, had a couple good games and... He had the one game where he had a shutout, yeah. but it didn't count as a shutout because they scored with two seconds left. Leafs can't even help their goalie get a shutout properly. There was that other game against Philadelphia where he had a shutout minus one yeah. because they scored a goal and they lost one nothing. Yeah. Like, uh, scoring two goals in that game, and that, that's, a, that's a great win, but... I don't know. We're in for a long, long haul, but at least we'll all be so able to do it. So tell us what... To give us a positive thing that we can look forward to if the Leafs start a rebuild you know holy crap it's March 3rd Kessel's gone Phaneuf's gone Bozak's gone JVR's gone you know all we got is a bunch of prospects that nobody knows who they are give us give us a positive crystal ball I'm you know, a, look I, in your crystal ball and give you us know, a positive I'm all about the positives yeah. I, I try to be as positive as I can be and you know what if that happens I'm going to sit there I'm going to reflect I'm going to look on it and I'm going to say you know what I'm, you know I'm going to look forward to and I don't know, maybe five years from now, I'll be 27 and I'll say, you know what will be awesome? Maybe I'll have a, a kid by then or a family or something. And I'll just be like, you know what? It'll be great to sit in the spring and know that the Leafs are second in the Eastern Conference, going to be making the playoffs for the next five to six years because they have a stud, William Nylander, who scores 40 goals a season and a big defenseman on the back end or Morgan Riley just ripping it up on defense. And whoever's going to be on the team at that point, but... 
I miss when I was in when I was in uh, late elementary school, early high school, and the Leafs with the Gary Roberts and the Matt Sundins and all those guys were making the playoffs every year, and I could count on on watching them knock the Ottawa Senators out of the playoffs. I miss that, and you know what? If they decide to do a rebuild, that's what I'm going to look forward to, and I'm going to sit and I'm going to watch the games where they're going to lose five nothing and play like the Edmonton Oilers, and I'm going to say, you know what? This is all for a brighter future. That's what it's for. That. You mentioned the Edmonton Oilers. It's really funny. I, I I should never do this because it's dangerous. But I read a lot of comments on, like, TSN comments on articles and Sportsnet. Yeah. And a lot of people are like, oh, yeah, rebuild. Great, great idea. How's that working for the Edmonton Oilers? <laughs> and it's like, yeah, there's that. But... But you're look gonna, at, look you're at, gonna wake up one day and the Edmonton Oilers are gonna be good. I mean, look look at all the rebuilds that have been successful as opposed to the Oilers who weren't. L.A. Kings, Pittsburgh Penguins, Chicago, Chicago Blackhawks, Boston Bruins. There's four right now. Oh wait a second, they've won the the last like seven Stanley Tampa Cups. Tampa Bay Lightning. Like, yeah. Just the list goes on. There's yeah. one bad team in Edmonton. You're right. One time, one day we're gonna look up and they're just gonna be. A they're gonna be good. Team. They're gonna be good. Yeah. There's no way that that all that power that they have up front is gonna be that bad for that long. You know, they just get some defensemen, get a pretty good goalie, and you're you're rocking. You're good. Yeah. I don't know. We're we're in we're in for a for a, a bit of a rough ride, but I'm I'm you know what I'm cautiously optimistic about it. I'm looking forward to it. Me too. Uh, before we go, just want to mention next Wednesday we'll be going to the next, well, formerly it was the Big Ice uh, Hockey Panel. It's now changed its name to Puck Talks Live. Yep. Um, do you want to talk a little bit about who's going to be there, what what the premise of the whole thing is, and let just the other listeners know that they're they're really trying to grow it. So, Chris Johnson will be there. Chris Johnston will be there. Friend, friend of the show. Friend Chris of the Johnson. show. Chris Johnston, yeah. Uh, Andy Petrillo is going to be there. It'll be interesting to have her there. Yeah. I went the first time and they had uh, Christine Simpson, so it was interesting to get a lady's perspective on things. Yeah. Uh, it will be interesting. When, we were there that time, when I was there that time, Christine was talking about, uh, someone asked her, you know, how difficult it was to, to be a female working in, a, like, a male-dominated world. So it'll be interesting to see what Andy Petrillo has to say on that. Yeah. Um, especially since she was cut from CBC with the merge of CBC and Sportsnet. Yeah. Um, but she's with the NHL network, so I think you know that worked probably out worked for out her. for her. Yeah. yeah. And uh, who else is gonna be there? Um They're Natalie having, Spooner yeah. from the women's team Canada yeah. ice hockey team. They're having a Leaf Sens Habs panel. Yeah, which would be different because when I went when I went the two times and you went the last time, it was basically just a Leafs panel. Yeah. And they just talked about the Leafs the whole time and which is it's great, but yeah. I I don't know. I'd like to hear about like the league perspective and and other people's perspective on the Leafs yeah. and and things like that. So well, and with with Natalie Spooner being there, it'll be interesting to see what like we'll have a player's perspective. Okay, yeah. she's not in the NHL, but she's definitely in an organized professional hockey league and yeah, we'll we'll get a perspective it's really, this from her. really eclectic mix of, of speakers that are going to be there next time. I'm looking forward to it. It was great last time. Yeah. If, I've said it on Twitter a couple of times. Like If you're a fan of hockey, it's just a great opportunity to go and hear stories that you don't see printed or hear on the radio. Um, it's just a really nice... Yeah. Right now, hopefully it'll grow one day to be like the baseball talks, which get upwards of 300 people going. Yeah. But it's a really intimate setting right now. There was probably less than 25 people there last time in the audience. And yeah. And it's you can ask questions, you can hear these people talk, you can meet with them after, and it's just a great opportunity. So, yeah, we're gonna be there on Wednesday, and it's gonna be a lot of fun. Yeah, it's gonna be great. Check it out. I think that's it for episode fifteen.
Yeah, hopefully uh, for episode 16 or maybe 17, we'll have another higher-profile guest on. Yeah, maybe. we're going to try we're, we're trying. some more magic. We're trying. And uh, we have a major announcement coming up in the next uh, next couple weeks. Um, I don't know if we'll wait for that for a podcast or if we'll just announce it, but we'll, uh, we'll see. All right. Anyways, take care. That's good.